الحمد لله القدير الباري ثم صلاته على المختار وبعدها كثيرة الرسول مظلومة موجزة الفصول مولده في عاشر الفضيل ربيع الأول عام الفيل لكنما المشهور ثاني عشره في يوم الاثنين طلوع فجره ووافق العشرين من نيسانا وقبله حين أبيه حانا وبعد عامين غدا فطيما جاءت به مرضعه سليما حليمة لأمه وعادت به لأهلها كما أرادت فبعد شهرين شقاق بطنه وقيل بعد أربع من سنه وبعد ست مع شهر جائي وفاة أمه على الأبواء وجده للأب عبد المطلب بعد ثمان مات من غير كذب ثم أبو طالب العم كفل خدمته ثم إلى الشام رحل وذاك بعد عامه الثاني عشر وكان من أمر بحيرة مشتهر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters and welcome to our new series on the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taking the poem Al-Urjuzatul Mi'iyya fi dhikri hali ashraf al-bariyya which translates to 100 lines of poetry in memory of the noblest of creation or a hundred line poem recounting the life of the most noble of all creation and the author of this great poem is Ali bin Ali bin Muhammad bin Abil Iz al-Hanafi and he's more famously known as Ibn Abil Iz al-Hanafi rahimuhullah and the commentary we will be mainly using for our series is by Sheikh Abdul Razak bin Abdul Muhsin Al-Badr Hafizuhullahi Ta'ala. Now Sheikh Abdul Razak Hafizuhullah, he says in his introduction to his explanation of this poem that it is well known to every Muslim what lies in studying the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam of great benefits, blessed effects and huge fruits which are produced in the Muslim's worldly life as well as the hereafter. His seerah alayhi salatu wasalam is the most brilliant seerah to purify the hearts of the believing servants. It is the seerah of the leader of the pious, the moral example for all mankind and the leader of all the children of Adam. Studying his seerah is a study of the seerah of the one whom Allah has made an example for his servants. As Allah says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have a good example to follow for him who hopes in the meeting with Allah and the last day and remembers Allah much. Studying the seerah, my dear brothers and sisters, deepens our love for him, deepens love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the heart and spreads it. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, as is found in Bukhari and Muslim, from the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من ولده ووالده والناس أجمعين. None of you truly believes 
and to I more beloved to him than his child, his father, and all the people. My dear brothers and sisters, the seerah of the Prophet has a great impact on the servant with regards to emulating him or following his example, mainly because following his example is a branch of knowledge from his guidance and learning of his seerah Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr, later on in his introduction, said that this poem became known as Al-Urjuza Tulmi'iyya Fi Dhikri Hali Ashraf Al-Bariyya because of what the author said at the ending of the poem وَتَمَّتِ الْأَرْجُوزَ تُلْمِئِيَّةِ فِي ذِكْرِ حَالِ أَشْرَفِ الْبَرِيَّةِ The hundred verse poem on the life of the best of mankind is finished. Now the author, the composer of this poem, is a great imam, he's a scholar, and he is well known for his prestige and beneficial writings, the Sheikh says, especially for his famous book, The Explanation or Sharh of the Aqidah of Al-Tahawiyyah. And the author of this poem is the Imam, the Judge, Ali bin Ali bin Muhammad bin Abil Iz, al-Damishki al-Hanafi, who died in the year 792 after Hijrah, rahimuhullah. And as the Sheikh says, he grew up upon Islamic knowledge in a house filled with religion and virtue. He was nurtured upon knowledge, love of the scholars, acquiring knowledge, and taking benefits from the Imams in his time period. And among those he took knowledge from, was the great Imam Ibn Kathir rahimuhullah, who is the author of Tafsir Ibn Kathir and also books on Sirah and books on history. And as we know, Ibn Abil Iz took a lot of knowledge and benefit from Ibn Kathir and transmitted from Asura topics and benefited greatly from him even when explaining the Aqidah of At-Tahawiyyah or Sharh At-Tahawiyyah. He said in every transmission, our scholar, Sheikh Imad al-Din Ibn Kathir. And Sheikh Abdul Razak, Hafizullah, he said it is not far-fetched that this poem is a summary of what Ibn Kathir authored about the seerah of the Prophet وسلم, after examining the following statement. This can be deduced. As to proceed, take the seerah of the Prophet وسلم, in a poem summarizing the book Al-Fusul. And it's well known, my dear brothers and sisters, that Ibn Kathir has a great book on the seerah titled Al-Fusul Fi Seeratir Rasul. My dear brothers and sisters, before starting the poem, we'd like to mention that this is a way which many of the ulama followed in that they would write poems to summarize certain fields of knowledge. And in that way, they would make it easier for the students of knowledge to memorize a lot of beneficial knowledge. And they also did this regarding the seerah of the Prophet wasallam, so that it may easily spread. So this particular poem which we are studying is a hundred lines, which are easy to understand in reference to the great events and occurrences from the life of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Its lessons are beautiful, its wordings is simple, and its stories are very clear. And the ulama have said about this poem that it's a beautiful poem and that it's very fluent despite it being brief. So without further delay, my dear brothers and sisters, we'd like to begin this poem, keeping in mind that this poem is brief, but has a great benefit in that it mentions the seerah in chronological order. So we begin this poem with the first line, in which the Sheikh Rahimuhullah says, Alhamdulillah al-Qadir al-Bari, thumma salatuhu ala al-Muftari. All praise belong to Allah, al-Qadim al-Bari. Afterward, 
May his salah be upon the chosen one. Now the author or the composer of the poem started by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and showing gratitude to him. And afterwards he sends the salah upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the chosen one. Now alhamdulillah, briefly my dear brothers and sisters, or all praise belong to Allah. As the ulama have said, alhamdu huwa thana' ala Allahi ma hubbihi wa ta'zimihi subhanahu wa ta'ala. The praise or the gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with love and veneration. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be praised because of his most beautiful names and lofty attributes. He is to be praised because of his blessings which we cannot count or afford to forget. And the author said, Lillah, Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah, mentioning the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the name Allah is one of his names, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of his names refer back to the great name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And its meaning is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the sole possessor of divinity and servitude over all of his creation. He is the one who is deserving of all our worship, subhanahu then the Shaykh mentions Al-Qadim and in some versions Al-Qadir, Al-Badi. Now Al-Qadim means the eternal or the pre-eternal one signifying that Allah is the first whom nothing came before him. Now the application of this name Al-Qadim to Allah he only serves as a report and it's not considered as one of the most beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the author himself of this book, Ibn Abil Izz, rahimahullah, he clarifies this in his explanation of Aqid al-Tahawiyya, where he says, As for adding the name Al-Qadim among the names of Allah, this is well known among the majority of the people of Ahlul Kalam. Yet many of the Salaf and the Khalaf, those who followed them, have renounced it. Now, Sheikh Abdul Razak, in his commentary, he said, It would have been more appropriate for the author to say, Al-Qadir al-Bari, the all-powerful, the all-able, the creator. Because Al-Qadir is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is mentioned in numerous places throughout the Qur'an. It is fitting to be mentioned with the name Al-Bari, which indicates the affirmation of power as an attribute belonging to Allah. He subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of doing all things. Nothing throughout the heavens or earth can stop him. If he subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to create something, he decrees it with his knowledge and wisdom. Afterwards, he brings it into existence according to what he subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed. Al-Bari, my dear brothers and sisters, is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is mentioned in the Qur'an. And the meaning of this name is the creator, the originator, and fashioner of the universe. The next part of the poem, ثُمَّ صَلَاتُهُ عَلَى الْمُخْتَارِ May Allah's salah be upon the mukhtari, upon the chosen one. And Al-Mukhtar here is referring to Muhammad ibn Abdullah, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he is the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has selected. Allah says, Allahu yastafi min al-malaikati rusulam wa min al-nas. Allah chooses messengers from angels and from men. And Allah also says, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُكُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ and your Lord creates whatsoever He wills and chooses. Our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is the best of Allah's creation. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise his rank and grant him peace. Now it may be asked, what does salah from Allah upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mean? And this is mentioned by Abu al-Aliya rahimuhullah in, in al-Bukhari in Kitab al-Tafsir in his chapter concerning the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا Allah sends his salah on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and also his angels too. Are you who believe? Send your salah on him, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and greet him with the Islamic way of greeting. Abu al-Ali, he said, as we were saying, that the salah of Allah upon the Prophet وسلم, is is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praising the Prophet وسلم, in the company of angels. As for the salah of the angels, it is a dua, it is dua, supplication. Moving on to the next line, line number two. وَبَعْدُهَا كَثِيرَةً رَسُولِي مَضُومَةً مُوجَزَةً الْفُصُولِي وَبَعْدُ أي بعد هذا الحمد والثناء والصلاة على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم After praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending salah upon the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم هاكا meaning take hold meaning seize or grab سيرة الرسولي the سيرة of the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم now my dear brothers and sisters, the word sira in the lugha, in the Arabic language, means at-tariqatu, hasanan kanat aw sayyi'ah. It means a path, whether it's a good path or a bad path. So the sira is a path. And when it's attached to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it now implies the most virtuous sira. Because as we know, my dear brothers and sisters, there hasn't been and there never will be anything similar to the sira of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And what we mean, as the ulama have said, by the prophetic seerah is mentioning the reports of the Prophet ﷺ from the time of his birth until his death. Al-Rasul here is referring to Muhammad ﷺ who is the seal of all prophets and the leader of the first and last of mankind. Manzumatan, a poem, and manzuma or poem comes from the word anadhm, which means to gather and arrange. It is said to gather and arrange things together. And what is intended here, my dear brothers and sisters, is to gather things in a poetry form, in, in a form which the speech rhymes. And as we know, as the ulama have said, among the benefits of poetry is that it helps with gaining mastery over knowledge and memorizing it. For this reason, the people of knowledge took great consideration in poetry, dealing with the Islamic fields of knowledge, arranging them in a beautiful style which rhymed. And this aids, as we said, the student of knowledge in memorizing and mastering the knowledge. Mujaza al-Fusuli. Mujaza means summarizing or concise. And the author here of this poem, he presented this poem in a very brief fashion without contradiction. Rather, despite it being brief and only being a hundred verses, it covers significant events of the seerah. And he mentioned Fusul here meaning in chapters. 
this suggests that the events of the seerah have been arranged in chronological order one chapter following another without the wording chapter in between events however this poem with respect to its arrangement comes in successive chapters in presenting the seerah of the noble prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this will assist the student in having a timeline of the seerah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and therefore understanding the Quran and Sunnah in a better way by Allah's will and permission. Now before we discuss the birth of the Prophet ﷺ in the next few verses or lines, verses 3 to 5, a bit about his name. Briefly, the name Muhammad means the one who is praised. And also another of his names is Ahmad. And Ahmad means the one who praises. So the Prophet ﷺ with these two beautiful names of his, he is the one who praises Allah the most and is also the one who is praised the most by creation from the humans. No one is praised and mentioned like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. His name is attached to the shahada sallallahu alayhi wasallam. His name is mentioned in the adhan. We send peace and blessings upon him regularly. And this is from the best actions a Muslim can do sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And his lineage is that he is from the Quraysh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected him from the best of people. He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as is found in Muslim, Tirmidhi, and others, that Allah selected Ismail from the sons of Ibrahim, Kinana from the sons of Ismail, Quraysh from the sons of Kinana, Hashim from the sons of Quraysh, and he selected me from the sons of Hashim. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is from the tribe of Hashim, which is from the Quraysh. And the Prophet ﷺ is from the best of mankind in person and family. The Prophet ﷺ, he is Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib, his grandfather, bin Hashim, bin Abd Manaf, bin Qusay. And they are from Quraysh. And Quraysh is from the sons of Kinana, who are from the sons of Ismail, who is a great prophet, who is also the son of the great prophet Ibrahim. Now, Abdul Muttalib's real name is Shayba, and Hashim's real name is Amr. Now when Hashim passed away, his wife was pregnant with Abdul Muttalib. And his initially his name was Shayba, due to being born with white or grey hair. And when his uncle Muttalib took him back to Mecca from Medina, they didn't know that this was his nephew. They thought it was the slave that he had purchased from the slave market. So they called him Abdul Muttalib, the slave of Muttalib. And we'll speak more about Abdul Muttalib in the upcoming lines, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. The author then says, rahimahullah, in lines 3 to 5, Mawliduhu fi'ashiri al-fadili, rabi'in al-awwali amal fili, lakinnama al-mashhur thani ashrihi, fi yawmi l-ithnayni tulu'a fajrihi. ووافق العشرين من نيسانا, وقبله حين أبيه حانا. His birth was on the eminent 10th of Rabi' al-Awwal in the year of the elephant. However, what is well known is the 12th on Monday at the rising of the sun, meaning Fajr, which corresponds with Nisan or April, and before him his father passed away. So in these three lines or three verses, my dear brothers and sisters, the author mentions, rahimahullah, the birth of the Prophet And all the books of Sirah start by discussing his birth. And the author initially mentioned On the eminent 10th of Rabi' al-Awwal This is referring to the 10th day in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal The year of the elephant And this year my dear brothers and sisters Became known as the year of the elephant 
because of the story in which Abraha came to Mecca to destroy the Kaaba, the sacred house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says in Surah Al-Fil, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ have you, O Muhammad, not seen how your Lord dealt with the owners of the elephant? The elephant army which came from Yemen under the command of Abraha intending to destroy the Kaaba at Mecca. Alam yaj'al kaydahum fi tadlil? Did he not make their plot go astray? وَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا أَبَابِيل? And he sent against them birds in flocks, تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِّنْ سِجِّيل? Striking them with stones of سِجِّيل? Or baked clay, فجعلهم كعصف مأكول, and made them like an empty field of stalks of which the corn had been eaten up by cattle. My dear brothers and sisters, this is the year which became known as the year of the elephant, and it was from the customs or habits of the Arabs and the people in general at that time is to label the years with the major events that occurred in them. Then the author continues, Rahimuhullah, Lakinna al-Mashhuru Thani Ashrihi. Meaning, however, what is well known is the twelfth, meaning the twelfth of Rabi' al-Awwal. That the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born on the twelfth day of Rabi' al-Awwal. And this tells us, my dear brothers and sisters, as the author mentioned two views here, that there is disagreement among the people of knowledge as to which day in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born. And he also points out that the twelfth was a more accepted or more popular view amongst the ulama or the people of knowledge. And there's even some views that he was born on the 8th of Rabi' al-Awwal. Wallahu alam. Now, Sheikh Abdul Razak, Hafizullah, he says that the difference of opinion concerning the exact day in which he was born, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Rabi' al-Awwal, is among the evidences which the people of knowledge mention when stating that the night of his birth, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, doesn't result in a legislated ruling or legislated action. Otherwise, had this resulted in a legislated ruling or action or deed, then surely there wouldn't be this difference of opinion mentioned in all of the history books over the exact day of his birth. And anyone who claims that he is absolutely certain about a specific day in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal in which the Prophet ﷺ was born has no clear-cut proof to that claim. Wallahu alam. Now, Aam al-Fili, the year of the elephant, as we just mentioned, there are actual texts that indicate that the Prophet ﷺ was born in this year. Such as the saying of Ibn Abbas, ولد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عام الفيلي. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was born in the year of the elephant. And Shaykh Al-Albani رحمه الله, he authenticated this hadith in his book السيرة الصحيحة. And also Imam Al-Zahabi رحمه الله, he said that it is sahih based upon the conditions of Muslim. And there are other reports as well, which indicate that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was born in عام الفيل. عام الفيل, my dear brothers and sisters, it really grabbed the attention of the people and it increased the status of Mecca and showed its greatness because Allah protected it from the invading army. Now as to how many days after the incident of Al-Fil was the Prophet ﷺ born, Ibn Kathir mentions in Al-Bidayah wa Nihaya it was around 50 days. 50 days. In the next part of the line, في يوم الاثنين طلوع فجره on the day, on the Monday, at the rising of the sun, meaning Fajr, his birth. This tells us that the Prophet ﷺ was born on a Monday. And this is authentically proven in Sahih Muslim, in the hadith of 
Abu Qatada radiyallahu anhu al-Ansari that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked about fasting on Mondays. He said, ذاك يوم ولدت فيه وبعثت فيه أو أنزل علي فيه. This is the day on which I was born and the day on which I was sent with the message of Islam and the day on which I received revelation. So Monday, my dear brothers and sisters, is the day in which he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was born. And it's also the day in which he received revelation. And it's also the day in which he migrated from Mecca to Medina. And it's also the day in which he arrived in Medina. And also the same day he passed away on, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all this will be mentioned in this poem. The Sheikh then said, وَوَافَكَ min min Which corresponds with Naysan. This month is also called April in the Gregorian calendar as we use today. And as we know, it's the fourth month of the solar months of the year. So here it's telling us that he was born on the 20th of April. And some have mentioned that the specific year is 570 or 571 CE. Sheikh then says, And before him, his father passed away. Now the pronoun in the statement and before him refers to the Prophet ﷺ, meaning before he was born. His father passed away. And as we said, his father's name was Abdullah and he was married to Amina and they were both from prestigious lineages and well-known famous families. So his father's appointed term approached and he passed away while the Prophet ﷺ was in his mother's womb according to the more correct opinion, as the ulama have mentioned. Then the author moves on in verses or lines 6 to 7, speaking about his suckling, or the wet nurses of the Prophet Muhammad. The author says, And he was weaned after two years. His wet nurse Halima brought him healthy to his mother, and she, Halima, returned to her family with him as she wanted. After two years, after completing the two years from his birth, he was, or he became, weaned. Now the boy's weaning is part of the suckling process as we know. He, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was suckled for two full years. Then the sheikh says, his wet nurse brought him healthy, meaning his wet nurse, Halima, brought him to his mother in Mecca, healthy and free of any disease meaning he was in excellent health and sound growth. Now, as we know, the Arabs was from their custom to send their newborns out to the desert, as was done for the Prophet ﷺ. And this was done for many reasons, for them to grow up in a healthier environment, for them to learn the more pure form of Arabic language, and also to be kept away from the illnesses and problems of the city life, which Mecca was, which used to attract many pilgrims and many visitors. Now the author, he mentioned Halima by name, and she was a Saadiyya, and she was the wet nurse of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she returned him to his mother in Mecca, li-ummihi, wa'adat bihi li-ahliha. And she, Halima, returned to her family with him. This is because she was very happy and delighted with him, and she saw amazing blessings and good when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was with her family. And this didn't happen to any of the previous children that she had had. So when she took him back to his birth mother Amina after the two year period, she persuaded her to keep him longer with her due to the blessings she wanted. 
And some reports indicate that she pointed out the good weather there and she feared the diseases and, and epidemics of, of Mecca. So she convinced his mother, Amina, to let her return with him and his mother, out of compassion, did so. And this is what Halima wanted. As the Sheikh mentions in the, in the line, Kama Aradat, as she wanted. This is a matter she wanted to do immediately after arriving with him to visit his mother. Then the Sheikh mentions the incident of the splitting of his chest. After two months, his stomach was split open, some say after he was four years old. Now, the author here, he mentions the incident of the Prophet Wasallam's chest being opened. And this was the first time it happened. And it happened many times throughout the life of the Prophet Wasallam, as has been mentioned in the authentic narrations and as the ulama commented. So the Shaykh mentioned two views here regarding when it first occurred. That is, firstly, that it occurred two months after Halima returned with him from visiting his mother. And others mentioned that it actually occurred after the Prophet ﷺ had turned four years old. Anas ibn Malik, rahimahullah, he mentions this incident that Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ while he was playing with his playmates. He took hold of him and lay him on the floor and tore open his breast and took out the heart from it and then extracted a blood clot out of it and said, this was the part of shaitan in you. And then he washed it with the water of Zamzam in a golden tray. Then it was joined together and restored to its place. The boys came running to his mother, meaning his nurse. And as the reports mentioned, her name was Halima and said, Verily Muhammad has been murdered. They all rushed toward him and found him all right. His color was changed. And I said, I myself saw the marks on his breast, on his chest. And this hadith is found in Sahih Muslim. Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, he mentions in his great commentary on Bukhari, Fathul Bari, that his chest, the chest of the Prophet wasallam, was opened three times. The first time happened in his early childhood. Ibn Hajar said he was brought up in, in a perfect circumstance which protected him from the shaitan as mentioned in the hadith. This was the part of shaitan in you. Secondly, the next time it occurred upon becoming a prophet to increase his nobility in order to receive what would be revealed to him with a strong and most clean heart. And the third time it occurred was upon making the ascension or the mi'raj to the heaven in order to prepare him for his private meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the next line or the next verse, verse number nine, the Sheikh mentions the passing of his mother, Amina. وَبَعْدَ سِتٍ مَعَ شَهْرٍ جَائِي وَفَاتُ أُمِّهِ عَلَى الْأَبْوَائِي After six years and one month, his mother passed away in Al-Abwa'a. Meaning after six years and one month, his mother passed away. And it's mentioned that his mother took him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with her to visit his maternal uncles from Banu Najjar in Medina. On the return from Medina, while they were heading back home to Mecca, his mother passed away in al Abwa. So now his mother passed away and he was born an orphan. And as we know, an orphan in Islam is someone whose father has passed away and he or she is under the age of puberty. Now in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ visited the grave of his mother and he wept and moved others around him to tears. And he said, ﷺ, استأذنتُ ربي في أن أستغفر لها فلم يؤذن لي واستأذنته في أن أزور قبرها 
I sought permission from my Lord to beg forgiveness for her, meaning to supplicate for her, for his mother, but it was not granted to me, meaning he wasn't given permission. And I sought permission to visit her grave, and it was granted to me. So visit the graves, for that makes you mindful of death. This hadith is found in Sahih Muslim. The Sheikh then moves on and discusses the passing of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, in verse or line 10. His grandfather, by way of his father, Abdul Muttalib, after eight years, truly died. Now, as we know, his grandfather is the one who assumed responsibility of looking after him after his mother had passed away. He took guardianship over him and he showed him preference over his own children, my dear brothers and sisters. His grandfather had him sit in his gatherings. He held a great position with his grandfather. So when the Prophet was eight years old, his grandfather died. And this is two years after his mother died. So the Prophet lost his mother when he was six and then lost his grandfather when he was eight. Then he moved to the care of his uncle Abu Talib and this is what the Sheikh mentions in lines 11 and 12. Afterward, his uncle Abu Talib provided care for him. Then he traveled to Sham or Syria. This happened after 12 years. And this matter became famous due to the aura of a knowledgeable person, meaning Bahira, the monk. So after the Prophet ﷺ's grandfather passed away when he was eight, he went to the care of Abu Talib, his uncle. Now the saying of the Shaykh here, afterward his uncle Abu Talib provided care for him. Now this means that when death approached Abdul Muttalib, he entrusted the Prophet ﷺ's custodianship to his uncle Abu Talib, who was the full brother of the father of the Prophet ﷺ, Abdullah, meaning they shared the same father and mother. And Abu Talib, my dear brothers and sisters, became well known for his great attention and care for the Prophet ﷺ. So he looked after him. And we see that he had an amazing relationship concerning the care of the Prophet ﷺ. So much so that even when the Prophet ﷺ was commissioned as a prophet, he continued to aid him and continued to support him even though he remained upon the religion of his forefathers. And he even died, as we're going to see, upon the religion of his forefathers and did not accept Islam. Ibn Ishaq, he said, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was under the care of Abu Talib after the passing of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, as he entrusted him to do so, mainly due to Abu Talib and the Prophet's father being full brothers, in which their mother was Fatima bint Amr. Abu Talib took over the responsibility over the Messenger of Allah the Sheikh then says, Then he traveled to Asham. And now this is mentioning the Prophet's first journey to Asham with his uncle Abu Talib in the early years of his life. And this shows that Abu Talib cared a lot for him and that he couldn't bear to be away from him. And likewise, the Prophet couldn't stand to be away from his uncle Abu Talib. And this happened, as the Sheikh mentioned, after the Prophet was 12 years old. وَكَانَ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ بَحِيرًا مَشْتَهَرٌ Due to the aura of a knowledgeable person, meaning a monk, this matter became famous. 
due to the amazing events and brilliant signs. The Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, he said about this event that Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet took him on a journey, took the Prophet on a journey to Asham on business when he was 12 years old. And this illustrates his kindness towards him due to him not having anyone who could care for him if he left him in Mecca. His uncle and those who traveled with him to Sham noticed signs in the Prophet ﷺ that increased his uncle taking care of him and having a stronger concern for him. As for what At-Tirmidhi relates in his, in his Jami' with a chain of narrators, all of which are trustworthy, from the clouds providing shade for him, the trees leaning towards him giving him shade, and the knowledgeable monk giving his uncle glad tidings that his nephew will become a prophet and ordered his uncle to return to Mecca so that the Jews would not see him and aspire evil towards him. Now, Sheikh Abdul Razak, he said that this event was reported in length in the Jami' al-Tirmidhi from the hadith of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and was declared Hassan. Ibn Hajar said that its chain of narrators is strong and Hakim al-Bayhaqi and others declared it to be Sahih. Wallahu a'lam. So to conclude today's episode, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ was from noble lineage, from the tribe of Hashim, from Quraysh, who are from the descendants of Ismail, the son of Ibrahim ﷺ. And he was born in Amil Fil in Rabi' al-Awwal on a Monday. The most popular opinion is that he was born on the 12th of Rabi' al-Awwal, but this is differed over. We also discussed, my dear brothers and sisters, that he was born an orphan. His father passed away when he was still in the womb of his mother. And we also discussed how he was sent out to the desert with Halima al-Sa'diyya and he brought much blessings to her and her family and she kept him with her until the miraculous incident happened of the splitting of the chest and he returned to his mother and then his mother passed away when she was returning after visiting relatives in Medina in Al-Abwa when the Prophet ﷺ was six years old. Then he went to the care of his grandfather Abdul Muttalib who also passed away when the Prophet ﷺ was eight. Then he went to the care of Abu Talib, his uncle, who he stayed with and who loved him dearly. And Abu Talib was a figure in his life until the Prophet ﷺ was 50 years old. We also mentioned how the Prophet ﷺ went on a trade journey to Asham. And this incident regarding the Prophet ﷺ and the monk Bahira is disputed over by the ulama of Hadith. As we mentioned, some of the ulama rated that as being authentic and others weakened the report. Wallahu alam. And with that, we'll conclude today's episode. Next week, we'll continue from lines 13 onwards. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah al-Qadir al-Bari Thumma salatuhu ala al-Mukhtari Wa ba'duha kasiratan rasooli Madhumatan mujazatan al-Fusooli Mawliduhu fi'ashir al-Fadili Rabi'in al-Awwal amal fili Lakinna al-Mashhur thani ashrihi Fi yawm al-Ithnayn tulu'a fajrihi ووافق العشرين من نيسانا وقبله حين أبيه حانا وبعد عامين غدا فطيما جاءت به مرضعه سليما حليمة لأمه وعادت به لأهلها كما أرادت فبعد شهرين شقاق بطنه وقيل بعد أربع من سنه وبعد ست مع شهر جائي وفاة أمه على الأبواء وجده للأب عبد المطلب بعد ثمان مات من غير كذب ثم أبو طالب العم كفل خدمته ثم إلى الشام رحل 
وذاك بعد عامه الثاني عشر وكان من أمر بحيرة ما اشتهر